Welcome to Cannabis Friends and 420 Buds. Talking with cannabis activists, patients, farmers, and caregivers to educate and help you understand the various types of cannabis and hemp available, their uses, and how to take it or consume it for maximum safety and effectiveness. And now, here's your host, cannabis advocate and industry vet since 87, Al Morenton. Welcome, cannabis friends. Hope you are doing awesome. We have an amazing guest on the line today, Mr. James Brinkerhoff. James has been an, a devoted advocate of permaculture, organic gardening, and food and medicinal plant cultivation for over three decades. His journey began when he made the decision to live off-grid and study natural systems in Northern California and the Pacific Northwest. It was during that time in Northern California that he took the permaculture design course with founder Bill Mollison. When he became a father, he moved closer to modern amenities and witnessed the harmful effects of chemical lawn care, fertilizers, and pesticides on the children in his community. This experience inspired him to explore the connection between soil and human health. After years of research and observation, James has concluded that some of the healthiest people in the world were those living on the most fertile soils. In 2018, James was given the opportunity to build one of the world's largest regenerative cannabis operations, Eden.co. This is where he developed his Beyond Organic Sustainable Soil, um, acronym BOSS, system to create a safe and healthy environment for the cultivation of medical cannabis. The BOSS system is designed to nurture biodiversity and health. James has dedicated his life to helping households produce healthy soil and achieve food sovereignty using his knowledge and expertise to create clean, organic living soil and revive our country's declining soil health. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks, Al. It's great to see you. Right on. Um, awesome. Awesome. Say, what a nice introduction. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Cool. Very nice. And yeah, it's, it's, it's such an amazing things that, that uh, you're doing. Um, you know, I, I see, I see you online and, uh, the things you're doing, you know, with the soil, you know, and how you, how you grow, um, cannabis and other things as well, you know? Um, but, um, how, let's talk a little bit about how, how you did get started. Oh, I got started. Yeah. Well, I got started, um, many moons ago. <laughs> actually it was kind of i got into as a teenager i started getting into going to live music you know concerts and stuff and from there i kind of got into cannabis a little bit started dabbling with cannabis as a teenager mm -hmm. and that kind of led me down this path um where i ended up in northern california kind of looking to learn get gain more knowledge in the cannabis industry and that kind of led me into organic gardening and permaculture that's kind of kind of fell on my lap right there when i was 18 19 mm -hmm. and um i met the kind of originator of permaculture took the design course with him and i happened to take the design course in northern california with a lot of cannabis growers there and people that were using organics and permaculture design to grow mass cannabis and so i kind of grew up in the cannabis industry from the 90s in humboldt in northern california and, but at the same time, really into permaculture and organic gardening and other medicinal herbs. Um, cannabis was obviously the most um, lucrative crop to grow, but really just with a passion and medicinal herbs, um, natural kind of living, natural lifestyle and 
permaculture design. And yeah, so that's kind of really where I got started many, many moons ago and all the way up until, you know, Colorado legalized cannabis. And I moved back to Colorado from six being in California, 16 years and started one of the first dispensaries and worked a lot along the supply chain in the early years of the cannabis industry. Different parts of the supply chain had different licenses for dispensaries, manufacturing, cultivation, up until most recently, where I built a, uh, it's about 60,000 square foot, four season greenhouse in Western Colorado. It's up at five, 6,000 feet elevation up in the high desert. And it's all focused on regenerative, organic or beyond organic cultivation with a focus in Korean natural farming, um, probiotic, bokashi. Uh, fermented fermented compost and natural insect prevention. Um, we use a lot of essential oils and different plants that kind of repel insects. We use minerals, sulfur, different things like that. That's all natural. Um, and it was really like kind of my concept after 20 years of being in cannabis and kind of being in permaculture and organic gardening. I really wanted to do something special for the cannabis industry and try to create a sustainable product that not only was a real high quality um from in my terms, like high terpene content, flavonoid content, um, esters, you know, all the things that you'd like to see in a full spectrum cannabis product, but also kind of cheaper to grow um, and also healthy to be around. And um, what I started to notice is cannabis was legalized. These big, these big industrial grows were pretty toxic and walking around these warehouses is almost, you could just feel uncomfortable in your body. You just knew, you know, it's a lot of chemicals, a lot of salt fertilizer, a lot of pesticides and, and so I started to see that and I was like, wow, they're calling this medical cannabis, but the places that they're growing it in are look really unhealthy. And um, I always knew like the medical cannabis from Northern California being up in the mountains and the sun grown in the sunshine and having this real natural vibe around where the cannabis was growing. It was a big difference to moving to Colorado and kind of seeing it all in these big warehouses in the downtown industrial district. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to do something that I could bring like everything that I learned growing up in the cannabis industry from Northern California, kind of learning from these older hippies that have kind of were the pioneers from the back in the 60s and 70s. Those guys were my teachers. So I wanted to take that whole vibe and that whole they were back to the landers, too. I mean, they're all had organic gardens and they're all living off the land. And I wanted to kind of take that spirit and put it into a cannabis brand that could be built up. And then actually, you know, maybe it could touch other brands and it could touch other take it around the world and show people that uh, cannabis and all other medicines, herbal medicines and food can be grown um, with this really cool kind of soil and, and uh, you know, activated compost and biological fermentation. It's kind of methods that I learned from Korean natural farming, organic gardening. Um, yeah. So it's pretty exciting. You can go to the website at eden.co and now we kind of focus on, mostly growing for the resin. So we take all the resin and make it into products, vape carts, smokable hashish, uh, rosin infused pre-rolls. And the extraction is all done with water and heat. So there's no solvents. Uh, water's the only solvent. So it's kind of like a real natural type of experience that you'll get with cannabis grown in a real natural way. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing, like what you are doing with uh, with the soil and with the grow. It's it's like you said, it's beyond organic. You know, um, that that those that can at the Korean natural farming is, is super interesting. But you've even taken it beyond that, really, with your what is the beyond organic, sustainable soil kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, just incorporated all kinds of different things that you've learned from 
basically your whole life, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's and then amazing. when I, you know, when we started the um, the cannabis company, I brought in some like real experts in Korean natural farming, and you know, brought some real experts in to help me kind of devise this. And you know, we 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 just after two or three years, we really figured it out. You know, some it was kind of a mixture of a di few different things that really that really brought out the best results for us. So right now, I'm calling it the Beyond Organic Soil System, Boss. It's a kind of a no-till, um, top dressing type of growing. Um, you're not tilling, you're building the food soil web and the mycelium and you have a lot of, a lot of fungus and bacteria. And, you know, so you, you add to the top, it's like a lasagna layering, you continue to mulch and just keep adding to the soil. And then naturally worms come up and digest it all. And it's kind of these layers of decomposing. And as you dig down, you can just see that it turns into pure worm castings. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's really fun to do, you know, and it's not, it's a little bit labor intensive, but it's uh it's kind of like different than the normal like you know wasting all this soil shoveling it all out or digging it in you know when you when you till in and you just dis disrupt the whole soil food structure you're disrupting all the life in the soil mm -hmm. you know and usually what happens it, it goes really heavily bacterial everything kind of goes bacterial when you expose it to all the oxygen and you kind of collapse the structure of the soil so we're building like a fungal dominant complex and we have a lot of mushrooms popping out of it and we feed it wood chips and we feed it, you know, fermented compost. So um, it's pretty neat. And kind of what happens is, is um, everything's just kind of working together in there with these mycelial networks, these mushroom networks underneath the soil. And they have this connection with this, with the roots of these plants. And they're, they, they're, they're, instead of just dumping, you know, the, the traditional like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium fertilizer, these plants, they eat what they want, when they want, and they have signals that they send out right? And then they take up those nutrients as they're needed. And so as long as you're adding a real diverse kind of input, um, that it'll just eat what it wants when it wants. And you're not, you know, just kind of running off this salt mineral, like giving it nitrogen, giving it nitrogen. And it's almost like to try to explain to like, in layman terms, it's like taking a lot of steroids and hormones and pumping. It's kind of what industrial farming has done. Uh, they have GMOs, right? Genetically modified. Well, they're trying to pump it up so that they get a higher yield because they charge price per pound. So a lot of what they do is they'll modify for color and for size. In same way, they're feeding it, you know, you know, these salts that are like like a straight chelated mineral, and it doesn't give kind of the plant the full, you know, its full um, opportunity to achieve health. You know, and so while it looks good on the outside, sometimes you'll notice if you're in a supermarket, these giant, huge hydroponic tomatoes. But when you cut into and eat it, there's not really any flavor, you know, so they've they've done really well at kind of modifying for looks and weight, but they really can't um, replicate what the soil food web does. Um, so it's it's pretty fun stuff. And again, like I'm just, you know, after 30 years, I'm still a beginner. I'm still trying to get around people smarter than me. And, you know, some of my teachers and mentors, they talk about uh, biologists, you know, they know about this much when it comes to like, if they dig up one inch of soil, there's so much biology and so much going on that even after thousands of years of looking at this stuff and then hundreds of years under a microscope, a couple hundred years or whatever, they still know very, we still know very little. So, yeah, I, so, so kind of my take on this, Al, is that it's more of mine is more of a spiritual and philosophy kind of a philosophy um, where I'm just trying to partner with nature and connect in with like what's what works. And, you know, some of these techniques like Korean natural farming, 
this was come up with uh, from a lot of like observation over the years and years in Japan and Korea, different places in Asia. And um, so it's really working with nature and the biology that's there. And a lot of what I do is I'll just I take regular, you know, plants that I find out in the wild and I extract and ferment them and use it on the plants that I'm growing food or cannabis in the soil. I feed the soil with those depending on what they're good for. Like in Colorado, I was using a lot of watercress. It's a really fast growing plant that grows in the waterways. And by fast growing, you can extract those kind of growth hormones naturally. And so, you know, I would use that in an extract and spray all my cannabis spray. I was growing greens and brassicas, broccoli and cabbage and stuff. And all of a sudden you see this vibrant, healthy growth. So I'm, I'm doing that naturally. It also cuts cost, right? And creates this self-resilience where I don't have to rely on a big corporate fertilizer company. And I can get these things like from what grows right around me, right? So you can cut your cost down in half, you know, in organic farming with some of this ultra low cost organic style, you know, you wildcraft some of your inputs from stuff growing along the waterways. Um, one of our inputs is seawater. You know, there's 82, 72, 82 minerals in, in the ocean water. So you real diluted seawater, you know, we spray on the crops. Um, and yeah, we use different fruits and vegetables. We'll ferment them down and make compost out of them. And it's just super rich and put it on our plants. So and it's fun too. It's like fun doing all that. So, so yeah, it's just a little bit different, you know, it's a little bit different and I'm kind of teaching self-resilience and terroir, you know, and learning like what are the soils, how is the food going to taste in your area and your soil kind of similar to how these wines are in different regions and different regions of France, they have the champagne and the, you know, and the Bordeaux and, and it's all, you know, the taste from the place. It's like the taste of their soil, of their climate of all that. So when I go into a place like now I'm in Florida right now doing a couple consults and helping people with organic edible landscaping and an organic farm and and it's going to taste differently. I'm building their inputs for here. Right? I'll go out into the national forest and I'll go like into the oldest forest and I'll pull out just like a little bit of the mycelium from the old growth forest, the leaf like the leaf mold and the leaf duff. And I'll bring that back to the farm and feed it starch and sugar. And let it grow really big. And then I'll turn that into a tea and spray it all over the property. So I'm growing the ancient mycelium and, and microbes that are from our ancient forests and bringing it back to places that have been killed and destroyed by chemical spray and setting them loose again and getting them to grow again. You know, and that's 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 one of the inputs that we make for the microbes and the biology. You know, we do a lot of biology more by when you keep when you keep with biology, you don't have to give it so much nutrients. And the biology increases the nutrient uptake and the absorption. So that's it's a awesome. real bio biological system. I use a lot of microbes, you know, from leaf mold and the mycelium growing in the forest. And then we'll use fermented compost. We'll take vegetable scraps and vegetable waste. Um, I'll take waste from like the breweries, the fermented grains and stuff. And I'll make the compost with that. And, and the, the soil and, you know, vegetables and cannabis loves it. So yeah, I like to use just like waste streams. So I use people's waste to create something that's really valuable. Right on. That's awesome. So speaking of the soil and regenerating the soil, you know, you know how they're saying like a lot of the organic farms, um, they, they were using the the bile sludge and uh, they uh, so they're saying that that it, it has like a, some some chemical in there. And now they're saying that 
all these organic farms that um, used that bile sludge, which was supposed to be organic, um, uh, now are contaminated and they because that chemical is in the soil now and they can't be used for like 30 years or something like that, they're trying to say. But do you think yeah. that they, using your techniques, they could regenerate the soil like much quicker, right? They can regenerate it probably in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, so, if you look at like, look what they did in Chernobyl with hemp, you know, the hemp bioremediated all that radiation and stuff in Russia. So like with hemp and then like, you know, fungal compost, the mushrooms can do it. It can eat the heavy metals. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So like it does a lot of scare tactics and um, just ways to devise to try to take out organic farming in this period, right? Well, I think that at this point, we need to come up with something that's different than organic certified USDA organic. Yeah. I mean, they they've we're finding out what their their processes are. And I'm talking to some of my friends who raise livestock and they absolutely sterilize the food. They call it organic, but they sterilize it, whether they dip it in bleach or they irradiate it. You know, it's part of the USDA process. So we're at a place now where we need to start looking at like local pasture raised animals and food crops like you don't really usda organic i'm starting to move away from that yes i just think that it's just it's pretty much the same as conventional now and they yes. just maybe they use their the pesticides are a little bit less toxic but yeah, other, than that, other than that it's like you said they started using bio sludge to for fertilizer you know to cut costs or whatever and then also like i said they to get the certification like i know in colorado it's illegal to sell chickens to you know retail unless you go through USDA certification and USDA processes they dip those chickens in sodium chloride. So yeah, you it's kill, crazy. So that's why and then are then we wondering why like we're having gut problems in our gut. You know what I mean? When we could have this like biologically rich pasture raised meat that would be, you know, interact interact with our you know gut health and our biome. But what's happening is we're eating these foods that are either dipped in bleach or they're sterilized somehow. And then we eat that and then it's killing our gut. You know, we're having to eat all these pro these probiotics to kind of keep up with all the, you know, so we're yeah. artificially eating probiotics. We would naturally get those. And that's basically what I'm making from the mycelium. I'm making this probiotic, you know, yeah, that's that, amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of what I, we, we've been calling it beyond organic because it's like way better than organic. And, you know, organic lets you do pretty much whatever you want nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy. They've bastardized it so much from basically since like uh, the late 90s, the early 2000s, they started bastardizing or, or organic. It's crazy. And then like you were saying with the with the chickens and stuff over in California, I, my, my buddy, he's a 40 year um, grass fed or, or organic uh, cattle rancher. Right. You know, and he's, you know, he has a you know, degree from Cal Poly, you know, all, all that. And, in, you know, like they're just 100 percent, you know, grass fed. And he would get um, the they have a slaughterhouse at the Cal Poly Pomona and uh, you know, on, on the campus. And that's what he would use, you know, and uh, about, I'd say, eight to 10 years ago, he called me up and say, hey, do you know any uh, slaughterhouses or any farms that have slaughterhouses on um you know, on their property because the FDA put out a uh, you know, mandate saying that no, um, no slaughterhouses can uh, have a grass fed cow. It has to be at least six months uh, grain fed uh, be before it goes into the uh, slaughterhouse 
or or else they'll they'll, they'll take away their licensing of, of the slaughterhouse, right? So he, he so he was stuck for a long time, not being able to you know um, you know live you know work and stuff like that. It's it's amazing what they what they do to try to just take it out. Yeah, they don't want us to have you know freedom really. I mean they they say they do, but when you start to think about what they're doing to our food supply chain and how they're cutting off the small producer and this, all these small you know, to try to make these huge industrialized and doesn't look like they want us to take care of ourselves, grow our own food, raise our own livestock. Um, you know, they want us to be dependent on their seeds on what to grow on their pesticide, on their fertilizer. And it's unfortunate because um, this originally was the Garden of Eden. I mean, everything yeah. that we need to survive was give, gifted to us here. It's all it's all growing here, right here. And and they want to sterilize it and they want to, you know, sterilize it and put it in a box and kill everything that bothers them. And, you know, and everything kind of works together. And that's kind of what we do in these cultivation systems. We try to mimic nature. What's going on in nature? How do we bring back balance again? Yes. And, you know, they're killing these bumblebees and these bumblebees are what pollinates everything for us to eat and get fruit and all these things. If they do that, um, we're going to have some serious problems with our food supply and you know, you can go down a big rabbit hole about, you know, all that stuff. But you were kind of trying to fight the good fight, educate people to take care of themselves and not be so reliant on, you know, the mass media and some of these big structures that have been put in place for industrialization. Um, we need to start being more self-reliant in different sections, different local regions and bioregions for our own food supplies and our own energy. We need to have that self-reliance again. Yes. So it's kind of part of what part of what we're doing now. Right on. Yes, definitely. I like to say, like, grow what you can and then develop relationships with local farmers, you know, for all of that. So um, with, with Eden, um, and when you're growing the cannabis, the um, you, you mixed in different plants with, with, with there as, as well. Right. Yeah. And so that that's part of the boss system. And yeah, I mean, we have a, and it's part of permaculture as well, but yeah, we have, we grow, you know, ground covers on top of the soil. Some of them are, you know, can create a nitrogen source. Others just help build that structure of soil and also communicate in that food soil web, right? They feed and they feed off and they also host beneficial bugs, beneficial wasps that might eat aphids and just really create, you know, we try to create diversity, right? So by creating diversity, they can create more, more of a chance of better better plant health and less things going wrong. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I, cause I had a buddy, um, that he has a organic farm in California and, uh, he, he does, he does it pretty much right. You know, as right as he can. And, but he, he does like it with his strawberry fields, he'll put like a Maui onion, like every three feet, you know, like to, you know, just sort of like natural, natural, you know, pest repellent kind of thing. Like, yeah. un, un, you know, undesirable pest repellent, you know, and tries to have like the the stuff. So you and, and everything yeah, that you do, do like a lot of on, on your farm, right? What's that? Like, like all the inputs and everything are pretty much from from your farm or, or or gathered by by you, basically, right? Yeah, in the local valleys in the area, like there's a lot of there's actually a lot of farms out on the western slope of Colorado. So we'll go hit up the orchards, and like I said, we'll hit up the breweries, the local breweries, to get their spent grain. Mm -hmm. Right. So we'll make that grain into compost and then 
I'm always foraging around the mountains in the area, up the creek beds. And then we collect the IMOs, the indigenous microbes, and all the old forests, the scrub oak forests. We collect all over the place and then bring that back and grow it out. And then, yeah, so it's all just mostly local. Uh, once in a while, we'll need like, you know, minerals. So we'll order, you know, rock dust or different things that we might need, you know, because um, cannabis is a pretty heavy eater. It eats a lot of food. It needs a lot of nutrition. So, yeah, we and we do a lot of soil testing and we do plant sap analysis. So we'll take the sap off the plant and it'll show us kind of what's the plants eating and it'll show us the history of what was it eating six weeks ago? You know, how much what is it eating now? So we do this plant sap analysis and then we cross reference that with the soil test. Say, OK, the soil was here. Now it looks like the plant ate that much over the last three months. Now we have to put, you know, kind of see how our compost is doing. Like I said, because I'm not totally science, I'm not totally science. Like I just go for the standard of trying to create a really diverse compost that covers all the nutrients. OK, because you can't just keep feeding your plants the same thing over and over again. They want diversity, just like yeah. humans want diversity. You have to have some some of this, some of that, some of the other, right? Some nitrogen, some phosphorus, and all the micronutrients, selenium and calcium and all the good things, the building blocks and boron and molybdenum and all this, right? So basically the way I do that is targeting like grocery store vegetable waste because all these different vegetables really make a complete diet, right? So I get the whole span of everything, you know, the vegetables, corn, grain um i throw chicken bones in there um as much as i can diversity so through that you know that's how i feel like i'm covering everything i need now as the plants eat i will get the soil test and come back and it'll say okay you're low in this so when that happens you know if i have to order copper sulfate you know i'll order just straight minerals um and they're natural right but you know it's just like a straight mineral that the soil needs to be balanced and then we'll top dress with that and then we'll water it in and then, you know, next soil test. All right, I'm good to go. So it's just a kind of a constant like balancing the soil. And when you're growing cannabis in really a high fast return environment where I'm harvesting five times a year, it's quite it's it's a fast moving deal. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly adding to the soil and the, pl the plants are eating it down, eating it down. Then I'm adding compost and alfalfa. And, you know, these liquid compost teas and microbial teas. And then I'm, you know, fermented fruit and fermented plants. And then if I need like rock dust or I need some kind of, you know, if I need some mineral, then I'll add that. Um, yeah. Now, That's if you amazing. were like, doing this outdoors on a regular farm, this would be like once a year. But because I'm harvesting, you know, every 30 days. I'm just like constantly tracking and just like adding it and trying to chase this thing. So these plants can just, you know, no delays and no stop. Right. Because I'm, it's a, it's a business. So every day that they're growing is costing rent money is costing the investors and the owners, you know, money to keep this thing going. So you're trying to optimize as much as possible. Now, um, kind of what I'm doing out here in Florida, it won't be so intense, you know, it'll be cause it's going to be an outdoor application with trees. So you're checking it out every month and then, you know, we're doing a test maybe every three months the first year and then maybe once or twice a year, you know, after that on a five acre property with fruit trees and all that. That's awesome. That's am that's amazing. Like the all the thought and effort, you know, the physical effort that is put into that. But it, it's what will 
give you the most nutritious, you know, mineral dense, uh, you know, food, food and uh, cannabis, hemp, whatever, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's, people don't understand that it could be done so naturally and how important what you're saying is. I mean, what, what, what you're saying and what you're doing for cannabis and for farming in general, like the, the mission that you have is just so amazing that, I mean, it needs to be spread everywhere. I mean, it, it's, oh, I mean, just thank you for doing this. It's, it's, it's a it's, lot of, man, it's been a lot of work and it's not easy out there. It's just, you know, you get beat up a lot and cannabis is a fast paced world where people want to throw money at high tech, you know, grow operations and all this stuff. And, and sometimes they don't see the value of taking your time to build the soil correctly. And, you know, because it does take three to six months to really get this thing cranking to where it's just, you know, kicking out. So those first couple months, is just a little bit of a building process, you know, but once you're doing this, you don't buy soil anymore. You don't buy pots. You're just continuously adding the waste streams from the grocery stores and people's waste streams into the system. And then, you know, if they were to track my like downstream, my wastewater, the stuff that I, that goes down the drain, it would be this microbial biologically rich leachate wastewater. That's actually benefiting the Mike, you know, the, the ecosystem wherever it goes mine goes into the colorado river where it's probably just exploding the plant life and helping the fish and all kind of other stuff and so that that to me is like one of the coolest a lot of things a lot of companies out there you know their wastewater is horrible they're, they're ditching chemicals and all this stuff well this microbial wastewater is like putting compost tea on everywhere it goes on the where you know everywhere downstream is benefiting from me you know so it's pretty cool stuff and i want to kind of as long as I can go build these around the world and start creating these little systems and teaching people how to do it. So is, is that your plans? What are your plans for the future? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of my plans for the future right now. I've got a handful of clients that want to do this on their property. And um, I'm talking to a couple of different canvas organizations. And so I'm kind of moving on from Colorado and trying to spread this message and get this going different places and especially for our food supply. So while well, cannabis has been a lot of my story in my life because I'm a patient, I've had my own health issues. I've, I use it daily. I love cannabis. It helps me operate in my day-to-day life and I don't have to be on different medications. I, I love that. And I've helped tens of thousands of people and I've served cannabis for 25, 30 years. But I've kind of got to this place where the last few years as I was doing this system, Al, and, and I was really refining it and bringing in these different experts to help me really refine it. I realized that this should be going on everybody's food and all their medicines. And this should be the same thing that's fed to our livestock so that our livestock can be healthy again. And that we can kind of take back control of what's been broken in our food, our food system and, and really our health. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm kind of at the beginning stages of it. I'm taking a few consulting clients and I'm kind of dreaming up how this is, you know, the future of it. But I think it's going to include workshops and classes and possibly, you know, physical products that you can use at your home. And, um, and then me helping as much as I can design, designing projects. I've got somebody who is developing a golf course and they're interested in having it be all natural, you know, and organic. And, you know, I'm looking at some of these bigger developments and larger farms to kind of go in and help, you know, make a try to make as much difference as I can. Right on. That's so awesome. That's that's beautiful. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate you being on here. Thank awesome. you for having awesome. me. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm glad. Really enjoyed your products as well. 
You're one of my favorite product makers um, out there. Like I said, I use the product. So I was happy to come on the show for your audience and just support you in what you're doing. And um, yeah, just everybody keep up the good fight out there for natural medicine and, you know, taking responsibility for yourself and your health. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That concludes this session of Cannabis Friends and 420 Buds. I hope you have a beautiful day. Peace. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Friends and 420 Buds. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to keep up with the show, follow us on Instagram at Cannabis Friends TV. Until next time, remember, knowledge is power and health is wealth.